the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 5th of February 2017, entitled Experiencing the Presence of God, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 15, verses 1 to 9. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. To open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews chapter 13, and I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And read down through verse 9. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word. Hebrews 13.1 says, Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, and today, and forever. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Father, thank you this morning that we have this wonderful privilege to be in your house, to have your word preserved and before us, to have your spirit within. Fathers, we gather here today We know, Lord, that as we discussed earlier in our Bible study time, Lord, we know that you know the very intents of our hearts. You know everything, Lord, about everyone that is here today. You know the needs. And, Father, we pray that you would do a work in our midst that only you can do in the hearts and lives of each one here. Lord, we can do nothing that would be of any eternal value, but we know that you can. And Lord, as you do that and do that work in our hearts and our lives, I pray, Lord, that we would be receptive and responsive to what you have for us. And Father, may everything that we do and everything that we say be according to your perfect will and bring glory and honor to you. For it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, it's just a a quick reminder, and if you were not here last week, and you want to get the first part of this sermon, then you can go back, and it should be uh, up online before long to be able to look at it there. But we began with this thought of experiencing the presence of God. And of course, the Bible begins here in this last chapter of the book of Hebrews. And of course, he's really talking about these practical things in our lives, these how we treat those people that we come in contact with and that sometimes we might actually be entertaining angels unawares. We ought to treat each and every stranger in a way that would be godly. We find that 
he goes on to remind us to think and care for those of our brothers and sisters that are in bonds, that are in adversities, that are facing things to, we ought to be feeling that ourselves. You know, rather than so many times we just can't be troubled, we ought to care. It ought to affect us in, 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 in some way. He goes on then to talk about this fact of our conversation, our lifestyles being without covetousness and being content with whatsoever things we have. Wow. We live in a society that I meet very few truly contented people. Everybody's wanting more. I mentioned it this morning, and that's because, man, you know, sometimes we, we, we turn on and we're, we're listening to some of these other preachers. And it's not just that I'm the only one that gets it right, but, man, sometimes my blood gets to boiling when I, when I hear some of these things. And I, I heard one of these TV preachers preaching this morning there in, on the, in, on the, in, the, in the bedroom as I was getting ready. And, and, of course, he was really, really, really coming down hard on his health and wealth and all of these things and the importance of all these things. And some of the things that he was saying, my blood was just boiling more and more all the time. I mean, man, God, if he's right and I'm wrong, forgive me, but it didn't make sense to me. I mean, he's really trying to encourage these people. I, he was sitting there talking about, you know, of course, with us being heirs to everything that God has. And, of course, he felt like that that meant as a child of God that, you know, you ought to be able to drive your Maserati, you know, because it belongs to God, you know. And, and he's going through all these things, and I'm thinking, where does Jesus' Maserati go when he was here? You know, <laughs> you know I, I really can't find where his Mercedes was or anything, you know, and, and yet he's going through telling people how this is all part of what they ought to be desiring and wanting. Everything I see in the Bible, God, it's not that God wants you to be a pauper and not have your needs met and all those things, but he's really challenging us here that whatever our state in this world that we ought to be able to be content, not being covetous and desiring all those great things. Hey, you know, if you got two out there and it's going to cost me the same thing and I can have a, a Volkswagen or a Mercedes, hey, I'll take the Mercedes, praise God. But I'll be just as happy with the Volkswagen if that's what I've got as well. That's nothing against just the German models. But, <laughs> but I'm saying God's telling us we ought to be able to be content in whatsoever state we're in. But he goes on to tell us why. It shouldn't be our circumstances. It shouldn't be our financial positions. All these things, our, our lives ought to be focused on doing what's right and living lives that are pleasing to him and genuinely concerned about the people around us and, and how we're treating them and actually being happy with where we are. He says, for he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We can be content wherever we are if we really genuinely know that we're in the presence of God. We're in His presence. You see, the thing is, we know about Him, and we know about His experience, and we know so many of these things. And of course, he goes on in this passage, and he, he points out the importance of staying away from these strange doctrines, these strange teachings. Our life needs to be based upon what God has established for us in His Word. But he's telling us here that, hey, whatever man says or does, we, we don't have to be afraid of man because God is my helper. And he's promised, he says, he said that he was going to be the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are you experiencing, even right now, 
as you sit here in church this morning, are you experiencing the presence of God in your life? I'm not saying just knowing that, yeah, because I'm saved, God's living in my heart, I'm saying, is that a genuine experience? Not just some fact that you know, but are you experiencing God in your life? And I'm not trying to get off on some tangent that tells you that your Christian faith is all about your experiences. No, that there's one thing that you ought to experience. If you know God and if he's in your life, you ought to know that he's there. We find that we touched last week on the fact that, man, we got all these sensors on everything. We can sense anything in this world and, and even other worlds. And that most of the time, many times when our little lights are coming on telling us our car has gone wrong, well, it's not the car that's actually broke. It's just the sensor is not sensing what it's supposed to sense anymore. The problem is we know as Christians that God is in our lives, but we spend too much of it, something wrong with our sensors. We don't sense his presence. We don't know that experience. And we talked about a lot of things, but we looked at two things last week. First of all, the promise of that presence. And we looked through the Word of God, and we saw how that it was God there in the garden that created us. We're the ones that because of sin, we separated ourselves from Him. He came back looking for man in the garden. Adam, where, where art thou? It was man that was hiding from God. God was still there. The separation came because of what man had done. But God called him back to himself. God even gave him the covering that he needed in order to cover his nakedness. We find that there are many things there, but what I, what I really tried to emphasize and get us to get in not just a knowledge, but in our hearts and our minds and knowing God wants to be present with you. He created you in his image. He saved you from that sin that separated you from him. He wants to be near you. He wants you to know that he's there. And we sense in his word, we saw his promise. How can you believe and take, stand upon the promise that he'll forgive you for anything, that he'll take you to heaven someday and not take this one as well? How do you know which promises are real and which ones aren't if they aren't all just as real? God said, and of course this was God said, he's referring back to what God had always promised in the Old Testament already. God said he'll never leave you that he will never forsake you. And that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We looked at that promise, and secondly, we looked at the person of that presence. It was Jesus Christ that came. It was Jesus Christ that was Emmanuel, that was God with us. We're not just talking about some kind of an emotional high. We're not talking about something that you work up and, and, and get the jitters because of what somebody else is doing. We're talking about God, the God of the universe being with us. And if God was with us in Jesus Christ, and we looked at those things, if Jesus Christ truly is the one that is in us, if we truly belong to him, and Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We're understanding, folks, we're not talking about something emotional or counterfeit. We're talking about a promise that God made. 
But that promise was in a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have Jesus Christ in your life, then you can just as assuredly right now and every day of your life, you can be content wherever you are, whatever the circumstances, because he is with you. He promised not to leave you. He promised not to forsake you. Do you know that presence in your life? But I want you to look thirdly, and it just really carries on from that thought. If the promise is from God, that he'll never leave you, that he'll never forsake you. And if the person of that promise was Jesus Christ coming to this earth and God being with us, then may I ask you, where is the place of that presence right now for you? We could ask that another way according to what we looked at in our last point. Where is the Lord Jesus Christ in your life? You see, God's promise was through his Son. It was through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that after the resurrection, as we look through the Scriptures, we find that Jesus took 40 days 40 days before that he left to go back. Why did he do that? I think of so many things because he has some things to give to us. To teach his followers and to teach us today. To teach us how he was still there. You see, we go back and we, we, we touched on that, that promise in John chapter 14 this morning. Jesus was trying to get them to grasp this in their heads. Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you so. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus wants you with him. When he left this world, he went there to prepare a place. I like what I heard one preacher. That didn't mean he had to go... I know he was a carpenter's son, and he worked in a carpenter's uh, shop as a, as a lad, but that didn't mean he had to go to heaven with his hammer and nails building some mansion for you up there. <laughs> no. <laughs> All he had to do was speak it, and it was done. He wanted you to know that he was going there, though, but there was a place that because of him, he was going to have prepared for you when you got there. It might be by the grave. It might be by the rapture, but there's a place for you with him. But see, from the time of the resurrection, you spent those 40 days, I think, to show them because I want you just to look at a couple of passages that I want to give you today because I don't know where you are, but I do believe this with all of my heart. Wherever you are, whatever your financial situation, whatever your circumstances are, don't be covetous. Get your eyes off of what you want, the Bible says, and be content, be satisfied, be happy in whatever state you're in because wherever you are, if you've got the Lord Jesus Christ, he's never going to leave you and you don't have to be afraid of anything. Notice some of the things that he taught them after the resurrection. Look back into the Gospel of John chapter 20. The Gospel of John chapter 20. <clears throat> Notice what he says there. Let's pick up in verse, verse 11. He says, But Mary stood without at the sepulcher, weeping, 
And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher. She's come to the tomb where Jesus was laid. She's not there. She's weeping and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. They said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She says unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. She was crying. She was weeping because Jesus wasn't there where she'd expected him to be. When she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said unto her, Mary. She turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. She knew who he was. He wasn't where she was expecting him to be. But I want to tell you something. Mary was there in her sorrows, weeping. Jesus was there. I want you to realize Jesus wanted us to know that he's there in your sorrows. He's there because he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Maybe you're looking in the wrong place. He's there. He's alive and well, and he wants to be there for you. Turn with me, if you would, into 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Notice what he says in this great resurrection chapter. Notice what he says in, in, in verses 4 and 5. That he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures and that he was seen of, who's the next person there? Cephas. Then of the twelve. Who was Cephas? Peter. <laughs> Stop and think for a minute. <laughs> Jesus rose from the grave. Man, I wish I could come around there with you. Jesus rose from the grave. He was there, and when he was there in Pilate's hall, Peter was the one that denied him. Hey, hey, I don't know that guy. I don't know who he is. I don't want nothing to do with him. I'm not one of his followers. Three times before the cock crew, Jesus looked over at him and he wept. I don't care how you count it, how you number it, Peter was a failure. Oh, I mean, it hadn't been long before that. His words, oh, Lord, they might all forsake you, but not me. Nothing will make me forsake you, Lord. Jesus did forsake Peter. <laughs> Peter forsook Jesus. That was his failure. But you see, even though he had failed Jesus, Jesus appeared to Peter here to encourage him. I'm saying today, experiencing the presence, Jesus is the one that will be there. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Just as with Mary, he'll be there in your sorrow. Just as with Peter, even if you failed him in the past. Today, get that behind you. Put it behind you. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Take it to Jesus because if you failed him in the past, that doesn't mean he's not going to be there. Sometimes we think he's not with us because I messed up back there. Well, he says if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of all your unrighteousness. Jesus 
Where's he at today? He's there for you in your sorrows. He's there for you in your failures. Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Notice what he says, picking up in verse 13. Behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. They talked together of all these things which had happened, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? They said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, Jesus speaking to them, O fools, <laughs> and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Beginning at Moses and all the prophets. Well, back to the Bible again. <laughs> he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. They drew nigh into the village, whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he said at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. They said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the Scriptures? Where is this person called Jesus today? Where is the place of his presence? It's there in your sorrows. It's there in your failures when you fail him. He's there in our confusion. I mean, these guys were really confused over all that was going on. We don't understand this. I mean, haven't you heard what's going on? And, 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 and you know, where's this guy at? He took them back to the Word of God. You know, that same Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever, here in these pages today, you can still find him in your confusion. Don't look to the world. They're not going to be able to help you.
Where is his presence today? Where is the place of his presence in your life, in your confusion? You'll find him right here. You'll find him there. Help you through this, if you will. Look back into the book of Psalm. Psalm 145. Notice what he says here. Psalm 145, verse 18. He says, the Lord is nigh. What's nigh? Near. Near. The Lord is nigh unto, what's the next word in your Bible? All, A-L-L. I don't think we need to even figure out what the Hebrew would tell us that that is. Uh, the Lord is nigh, is near unto all them that call upon him. To all that call upon him in truth. Is the Bible true? Where is the place of the presence of Jesus Christ in your life today? I'll tell you, it's going to be in that place of prayer on your knees. When you draw near to him, the Bible says the Lord is near unto them that call upon him. How do you call upon the Lord? You call upon him in prayer. You go to him in prayer, and you'll find him there, I promise you, to all that call upon him in truth. He's not interested in your little religious ceremonies, your pious little prayers that I've said many times, you know, we do it because we should do it, but probably the least effective prayers in all the world are the public prayers. Because what happens? When you call on somebody to pray in public, it's very, very hard for them to put all of you out of their mind. It's a situation where they're, if they're not careful, will be concerned about what you think about their prayer more than what they're actually praying to God. You see, they that call upon him in truth. It's the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. God knows your heart. <laughs> There's no, no point in going to him in your prayers and trying to tell him what a great person you are. You know, he really ought to do this for you because look at all I've done for you, Lord. No, you go to him in truth, in your humility. What I want you to realize today are you experiencing the presence of God in your life? Are you experiencing that presence? Not just knowing it. Because you see, today, God's promise in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the places you're going to find Jesus Christ, one of those places is on your knees in truth. And on, you may as well get honest with God. He already knows. You may as well tell him where you messed up. You know what? He knows what you've been thinking. He knows what's been going on in your heart. He knows what you've really been wanting. But just get honest with him. If you'll call upon him, all that call upon him, and they call upon him in truth, he's there. He's near to them. He will be near there to you. We find that if we look back again into the Gospel of John, chapter 20. I want to give you a few more things quickly here this morning. Gospel of John, chapter 20, where we were... Looking there a moment ago, notice what he says in a couple of these verses. Verse 19, 
Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Verse 24, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. Okay, the others were there, but Thomas wasn't. What happens in verse 26? And after eight days again, the disciples were within, and Thomas was with them this time. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. And said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands. Reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and, or thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord, my God, it's you. It really is you, Lord. Who were the disciples? Well, they were the Lord's followers. They were the ones he had chosen, but they were something else too, folks. The Bible says they were the very foundation. You see, this was the foundation, the beginning of where we are right here today in what's called the church. They were the foundation of that church. They were about their business. They were there in the upper room. They were praying. They were doing all these things. And, of course, the 11 of them saw them, but Thomas doubted them. His faith wasn't all that it should be, but boy, when the Lord moved in their midst, oh, I know that's you, Lord. What are you saying, preacher? Where's the presence of the Lord today? Well, I believe that, yes, we've seen those things in your personal life, but I believe also in our corporate lives, just as with the disciples there, when they were about the Lord's business, and he turned up right there. I don't believe as a church congregation that we have to wonder about his presence. I believe God's presence is there just as it was here. He was showing them that in all those things that he wanted to do because, you know, he said back in Matthew chapter 18 and in verse 20, he said, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I, there am I in the midst of them. Where is this presence of Jesus today? He said, when we gather together in his name, he's right here in our midst today, folks. He's not out there somewhere. Yes, <laughs> I, know, I know he's at the right hand of God in heaven as well, but I also know that he lives in my heart and your heart, and it says here that he's right there in our midst, his people, his followers, his church, when we gather together. You should know that his presence, it shouldn't be just some ritual, some formality that we cut to too many people. Church is just a formality. But this is where we ought to be able to know that Jesus is in our midst. Also in the Gospel of John chapter 21, notice what he says in verses 5 and 6. Then Jesus said unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of the fishes. I don't want to overstress the point, folks. He wasn't just with them when they were in church. Fishing was their job. <laughs> that was their everyday stuff that they had to do. You see, 
Jesus doesn't just meet with you. He's not just here in these four walls. When we come together, praise God, He ought to be there. We ought to know that He's there. But I'm saying when you're out there tomorrow and you're working your job and you're doing those things, maybe you're not a fisherman. Whatever it is you're doing, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He's right there with you when you're doing that job. How did He tell us that we ought to do those things as if unto the Lord? <laughs> When we're working, when we're doing those jobs, everything we do, we ought to do it as if we're doing it for the Lord himself. Where is the place of that presence today? In our sorrows, in our failures, in our confusion when we don't have all the answers, in our prayers, in our times when we're together as the body of Christ, in our personal lives, the psalmist said in Psalm 46, he said in Psalm 46, verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help. In what? In trouble. <laughs> God is our refuge and strength, a very present, that's like right now, present, very present help in trouble. You see, troubles come our way. Life is not trouble-free. Sometimes we can honestly wish that there was a little less of troubles along the way, but life is filled with troubles. And of course, if we Look back into Hebrews chapter 13. Part of our reading earlier, what did he say there in verse 6 that we read? <laughs> so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Where is the place of that presence for you today? He's there in your troubles. You know, to too many people, that's the only time they call upon him when they get in trouble. No, he's there. In your sorrows and your failures and your confusion, he's there in your prayers. He's there in your coming together as his, as his church. He's there when you're out there doing your job or doing your schooling or doing whatever you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. He's there when you are in those troubles. He doesn't run away because things got hard. He's always there. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. Can we get that through our thick head? It doesn't matter where we are or what we're doing. He's never going anywhere. He's there for us. But we don't live like that. <laughs> Psalm 22. Notice what he says in Psalm 22. And in verse 3. He says, but thou art holy. We've talked about that a lot today. God is holy. But what should that bring from us? <laughs> thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. God, you're holy. You inhabit the praises of your people. <laughs> you see, today, so many times, we're so stuck on being covetous and worrying about all the negative things around us. But we're not focusing on the fact that he's there with me. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. Praise him. 
You feeling down? Well, instead of crying and crawling under the bed and feeling sorry for yourself, why not lift your hands towards heaven and say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God loves to be praised. Get your mind and your heart off of your problems. Be happy and content, whatever your state is. One of the things that you can always do, you can always praise him. If you want to, if you really see him for who he is, if you're looking upon him, the old songwriter said, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. What about that? I want to give you one other. This is the one I want to close with this morning. Acts, well, a lie. There's a couple here. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Because in actual fact, whoever you are today, this is where that promise becomes real to you. You might be here today and you may not know that you're one of his children. You may not have experienced that grace that has been offered you in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is the presence of this God that you're talking about today? Well, in Acts chapter 9, he says in verse 4, and of course, this is the conversion of the one called Saul who became the apostle Paul. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Where is the presence of the Lord today? He's right there. When you want to work, look to him to convert your sinful soul. <laughs> I don't care where you are physically today. I'm saying when you come to that place in your life that you realize that you're lost, that you're a sinner, that you need to be saved by His glorious grace, that you want His presence in your life, then the first place that's going to begin is by recognizing who He is as Jesus Christ and humbling yourself before Him. He's the one that believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. He's the one. He's the one that tells you today that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, you've got to come to the point to recognize him for who he is, and you've got to call upon him. I'm saying today, if you're here and you don't know him, we know he's here. We know he's here in those that, that are believers. We know that. We've seen that already, but I want you to know he's wherever that you will humble yourself and accept him for who he is. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Folks, it's going to begin in here. You're not going to fool him. You can say all the little religious things you want to. It begins in here. When he begins to tug at those heartstrings, maybe he's tugging at yours today. I want you to understand, folks, the promise the promise of his presence that he's made. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. 
I want you to grasp the person of that promise is in Jesus Christ. He sent Jesus Christ. That's how you can know that that's true. Where is Jesus today? You've got to begin by being in your heart. He's in all these places for you. But until there's that point that you humble yourself and call upon him, he won't be in any of those places. You've got to have him in your life. Thank God that the Lord God of heaven is not very far from anyone. Just a few pages over in your Bible, in Acts chapter 17 and in verse 27, he says that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. You see, I can promise you this. God's not far from you today. And if you're here and you're a lost sinner, it's your sin that separates you from him. It's not because he's too far away. It's not that his hand is too short. It's not that his ear can't hear. He's near to you if you'll call upon him. And finally, you need to understand Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15 verse 29 tells us the other side of that coin. The Lord is far from who? From the wicked. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. You can't get to God through sin. The sin has to be removed. That's something you can never do yourself. That's something that God has done for you through Jesus Christ. By his grace. But you must believe it. You must accept it. There's no other way, for by grace are you saved through faith. There's only one avenue to get to God's grace, and that's believing him, having faith in him, having faith in that finished work. All the religious things. It's not by works, lest any man should boast. Are you experiencing the presence of God in your life? Christian, I hope these things will be a help and encouragement to you. Wherever you are, you might be in some of these places. It might be in a time of sorrow or, 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 or failure. It might be a time of confusion. It doesn't matter what you serve. Can we grasp and understand? Jesus has shown us that he's with us in all of those places. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. No matter where we are, we can be content in whatever state that we're in because of his presence with us. He's there for you today, Christian. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you're struggling with something that, or maybe you just need to get rid of it. Maybe you'd like to come and pray with someone else this morning. Have someone pray with you. Not because somebody else's prayer is going to do what yours can't, but boy, sometimes it's so good just to know that somebody else cares and somebody else is there praying with you. And if you're here and you're lost today, I can only plead with you. I can promise you, if there was anything that I could do, if there was anything that I could say that would make you get up from your seat and, and come down here and, and fall upon your knees before God and accept Jesus Christ, your Lord, and say, I would say it, I would do it. But I can't. It's beyond me. If God, through the power of His Spirit, is speaking to your heart right now, He's the only one that can draw you. He's the only one that can allow you to see the truth. But if He's showing it to you today... Are you willing to accept it or are you going to reject it? You either receive it or you reject it. 
God's the only one that allows you to see it. If by His grace He's shown you that, why would you want to refuse it and walk out of here lost today? You don't have to. You can experience the presence of Almighty God in your life today. Every one of us here, lost or saved, it's an experience that we need and we can have in our lives. Father, I don't know the hearts of anyone here today, but I thank you, Lord, that as we've looked into your word, that even for, even for this old preacher, Lord, that, boy, you've reminded me. <laughs> Sometimes I can get my eyes on the problems and the troubles and the challenges and the difficulties. I just need to have my eyes on Jesus. <laughs> I need to remember, Lord, I can be content in whatever state. And everyone here, Lord, if they're not in that place of contentment today, it's not your fault. It's their fault. Lord, they can't be covetous. They can't be looking at all these things around. Lord, we've got to know that you're with us, that you'll never forsake us. It's impossible for you to. If there's a problem in your presence, the problem is with us. Lord, I pray that you'll take these simple thoughts today. Speak to the hearts of your children today and help them to be reminded from your word. Lord, I don't care where they are today or what they're going through. They can know your presence with them. And Father, for anyone here that's lost, that's unsaved, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I pray, Lord, that by the power of your Spirit that you would speak to their hearts now and show them what none of us can show them. And Lord, I pray that this day that they would receive that glorious gift that you're offering to them. This day, may they experience the presence of God in their lives as they never have before. And we give you the praise and thanks in Christ's name. Amen.